we again unpack uh, Jude. Oh, I know what happens here. Carver, I didn't turn it on. <laughs> there you go. It's kind of like the Christian life. If we don't use it with power sources, no good, right? We just, all right, here we go. Jude, contending for the faith. We talked about this last time. We talked about the cursed in verses 8 through 19. That's sort of where we, we left off, if you remember. And so uh, we talked about how these are ungodly dreamers in verses 8 through 11. We talked about how these are spots in your love feasts. These false teachers who had crept in to their midst. Um, uh, and then we talked about how these are grumblers. And that's sort of where we were at when we concluded last time. And we talked about how they are grumblers. And so we'll go back and visit this just a little bit briefly. And then we'll talk about how these are sensual persons. And so we've talked a little bit in the past about that as well. But again, this is, this is sort of where we are in, in the study. Chuck Swindoll said, Jude saw within the church people and practices that were worthy of condemnation, including rejecting authority and seeking to please themselves. Guys, that was the warning that Jude was giving, characteristics, traits of those, those who had kind of crept in, who weren't really a part of the true church. They had been marked out long before the foundation of the world for condemnation. These are those who reject the truth. But, it, but it's not as clear-cut as you might think. It says they crept in unnoticed. I'm not, I'm not naive enough to think, even though I know most of you well, well enough, I should say, that I believe for the most part, those of you who are professed Christians or possessed Christians, but I'm not naive enough to, to think that with certainty. By the way, I can't know for certain. You can't know my heart. I can't know your heart. Only God knows the heart of man. But there ought to be fruit on the tree. And I will say this, as a pastor, I'm oftentimes concerned about the fruit or lack thereof. And that's why Paul warns all of us, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. And guys, when you do an introspect and you start saying, you know, Lord, show me. You know, am I sharing my faith? Am I living it out? Is there evidence that I am born again, that I have, that, that I have passed from death to life? Have, have I really in my own life and walk and faith moved from darkness to light? Or are my desires still that of darkness? Are my desires still that of the flesh? Are the desires and fruit of my tree still very sensual and earthly? motivated. Well, this book ought to serve as a warning to us. And Lord willing, next week we'll talk about the importance of as we meet others who struggle, that we might reach in with the gospel of grace and pull them out, hating the, the defilement of the world that's tainted them. Or on some show compassion and love to a to a walk of grace in Christ, to be the people set apart that God's called us to be. Father, I pray this morning that as we unpack your word, that it would be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, I pray this morning that you be with our team in Jamaica, that you bless them, that you use them as they are ministering an extension of Community Baptists there in Jamaica. Lord, use them in a mighty way. We would pray that there might be souls saved, 
that they might come encounter with someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, that they will share the gospel and that the person will be drawn to repentance and faith in Christ alone for their salvation. And so, Lord, we ask that you anoint them, that you protect them, you provide for them, you use them. And, Lord, we would ask the same here today, that you would bless our gathering, that you would open up the word of God to our hearts, our ears, our eyes, that we might see you, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, that you would draw our hearts in full repentance and full assurance, that we might know you, know the power of your resurrection, which often comes through knowing suffering. And so, Lord, give us your strength in the battles we face, and we will give you the praise, because you alone are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. And we give you the praise in His name. Amen. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, and are set, they are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, while he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like Brute beast, and these things, they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they've gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They're clouds without water, carried about by the the winds, they're, they're late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. 
They mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some, have compassion, making a distinction. But others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Jude said, these that have crept in unnoticed, they're grumblers. We talked a little bit again last week about these grumblers. We said they were critical. And again, we all know, you know, those folks that does not matter what you do. They're going to critique. They're going to be critical. They're going to always got something negative to say. Doesn't matter what you do. There's, you know, always that person is just constantly, constantly a fault finder. They're carnal. Another characteristic of of those uh, that had crept in, these apostates, they were very carnal. They were very fleshly. They basically walked according to their own lust. And, and so, it, it, again, it's not, it's not hard to notice a lot of some of the heretics that we see on television today that supposedly represent Christianity. You know, it kills me oftentimes when, when I see unbelievers, non-believers that I knew and have grown up with or have worked with over the years, and a lot of times they will post out of just, just a jab, just to just to uh, mock or scoff almost some of these things that the heretics are doing. You know, whether it's a, a begging for sowing the seed and, and God will bring you an increase. And, you know, if you put in a thousand, you'll reap 10,000. And just some of the craziness that goes on. These charlatan faith healers who, who you know, say that... Uh, there was this one joker who used to years ago say that uh, he could heal you and then uh, the result of the healing, you would have a gold feeling in your tooth. And the camera would zoom in on the guy's mouth and there'd be like a gold feeling in his tooth. What? Where's that in the Bible? You know, gold dust sprinkling from the, from the sky after a healing. Oh, you see the gold dust? Hallelujah. And the place would go crazy. Music would start playing. People start running the aisles. It's like, where's that in the Scripture? I mean, there's just some crazy stuff out there. You know, God told me I need a $65 million airplane. What? I mean, come on. But guys, they've got massive followings. Massive people being led astray. Um, we recently took the kids to see a movie. Um, 
and it, it was a cute little movie. I think it was what, Pets 2 or something like that. Uh, is that what it's called? What was it? What's the name of it? Secret Life of Pets. See, it was a secret. I couldn't think of it. Sarah, thank you for remembering it. <laughs> secret Life of Pets 2. But there was this one scene in there where a little sheep, and I want to spoiler alert, kids, if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, <laughs> some of you adorts are like, oh, I was going to go see that. No, yeah. Uh, but there's this one time where a little sheep gets out of the pen and, and wanders off. And we were commenting afterwards on, on you know, actually during the movie theater because there was like, I think, two other people and so we could talk a little. Um, but uh, on the way home as well, it's like, you know, that's such a good depiction of us as sheep. I'm sorry, guys, the sheep was really dumb. It had walked off of a cliff on purpose because there was a little tree branch there with apples on it. And so the sheepdog was out there like, what are you doing? It's like, apples, good apples, you know. And it's like because of its own fleshly desire, must eat, apple good, it was out there. But put itself in danger, put itself in harm's way, and of course, again, we'll give, but it's, it's just a dumb sheep. Guys, what kind of dumb sheep? We're easily led astray. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to pursue our own lustful desires. The wickedness doesn't come from Satan. It comes from you and me. It's our heart that's dead and trespasses in sin. It's my heart that's uh, desiring as a dead man, naturally speaking, that desires the fleshly appetite and want to satisfy the fleshly appetite. But it's the Spirit of God. It's the love of God. We love not because God first loved us, guys. Not, not because we loved Him. He loved us. He loved us enough to want to pull on the strings of our deprived heart to say, I love you. There's a better way. Let me redeem that heart. Let me give you a new life in Christ Jesus. And so when we hear the penetrating voice of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ that pulls on my heartstrings that says, wait a minute. God's word says this is the way that leads to life. This is the way that leads to death, hell, and destruction. I can reject that love and continue on the love pursuit of my own fleshly appetite, which the Bible makes real clear. When sin brings forth its final result, what's the final result? It's death. Oh, there's pleasure in sin for a season. Don't let anyone lie to you and say, oh, there's no fun in sin. Oh, there's great fun in sin. In fact, you can go from the womb to the tomb and have a great time in this world only to step into an eternal hell. An eternal hell. Let me ask you, what fun is there between the womb to the tomb that's worth that? That's worth exchanging your soul for an eternity of lostness? An eternity? And by the way, guys, don't take my word for it. Look at the description of God's word on what hell is like. It's a real place. And it's a real place of torment. It's a real place of continuing suffering with no hope. And yet the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ is extended to us even this day. Even this day there's an opportunity for you to repent and put your faith and trust in what Christ has done for you. You can be delivered today from darkness, moved into light. You can move from death to life. 
But are you going to continue to pursue the desires of your heart as a natural man? Or will you surrender your life and by faith receive the life Christ wants to give you? And Christian, that's not to say that as believers that we don't sometimes want to kind of struggle. Now, Paul says, look, if you, Jesus said, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, you need to be that farmer that puts his hands on the plow and doesn't look back. And Sodom and Gomorrah is descriptive in here, and we know what Lot's wife did. She looked back. And there's a lot of times people get that you know, religion, and I'll call it that because a lot of times what ends up happening is they make a good run for it for a little while and then it becomes tough and either the cares of this world begin to choke it out and they say, you know what? I'm just going to do what I know to do. And sometimes that, that, that soil is so hard, the heart is so hardened that through various issues that Satan might throw out at you, such as hypocrites in the church, the way somebody treated you, and all of a sudden you get bitter and your heart's so, in such a way that you just say, forget it. The sowing of the seed is given in Scripture, and those are just a couple of examples. Satan does come and pluck it out. For some people, we've seen that. They come in, they hear the message. By the time they get out, no other thoughts about it. Back to the world as it always is. And then there's those that actually hear the word, receive the word, respond to that truth, and it falls on a soft heart, a fertile soil, and it begins to grow. And it doesn't just grow to a point to where it's just green, lean, looking like a killing machine, and then goes back to the world. No, it begins to actually now produce fruit because they actually believe this, they buy into this, they love this, their life is being changed and transformed, and that transformation is coming out in such a way that fruit's being produced through your life. That's where we need to be. That's where Jude's going to wrap this thing up when all's said and done, and where we need to be in the love of God. But these apostates were carnal in nature. And guys, when I look at the landscape of the church today, it's very carnal. It's very carnal. I mean, let's just be real. Even us with our own comfort, sometimes there's a far cry of desire to take up our cross and follow after Him. It's just honest confession for, you know, we, we fight to protect our comforts, don't we? Meanwhile, we got brothers and sisters in some parts of the world that they, they jump on trains and ride for 14 hours and they, they hike across the landscape for days just to get together secretly. Secretly. And then they'll spend the whole entire day in the Word of God. Studying the Word of God. Getting as much out of it as possible with a hunger and a thirst and an appetite because they recognize that once they leave this blessed gathering of secret believers, that they're going to have to walk back, go back, through the, take the train wherever to, to, their, to their village, to their home, under the possibility that if it's found out they were in that gathering, they're looking at years in prison. Persecution, suffering like you and I have no clue, no clue. And yet we, we complain because of a 53-minute well, message on a padded pew. The 
These are grumblers, critical, they're carnal, they're conceited, they boast about self. Again, you turn on, I mean, you know, it's just amazing. Some, some of these guys brag about the cars they have, the houses they own. Sick. When Jesus said he didn't have a place to pillow his, his head. Oh, you want to follow me, he said? The fox has got a hole, you know. I only got a place to lay my head. Yeah, sure, you want to come after me? Come after me. Follow me. Follow me. They're charmers. They flatter others for advantage. I can't always help. I, every time I see something like that, I always think of Eddie Haskell. Anybody watch Leave it to Beaver? Come on, raise your hand, Leave it to Beaver fans. Some of you, some of you are like, Leave it to Beaver, what's that? Is that a cartoon? Anyway, ask your grandparents. Notice I didn't say ask your mom and daddy. Ask your grandparents. <laughs> but I, I grew up watching Leave it to Beaver. But Eddie Haskell, man, come on, Eddie Haskell. That's, that's, that's when I see this guy. I think of these guys, you know. Yes, Mrs. Cleaver. Oh, sure smells nice, Mrs. Cleaver. What you making for supper? Um, oh, I don't know if I could stay, Mrs. Cleaver, but I, I, that sure is nice of you. I guess I could have a seat at the table. You know, it's just always flattering. Hey, Mr. Cleaver, you look really nice today. I like that tie, you know. And yet he's just trying to gain advantage into the house. And as soon as he gets up in the, in the room with the boys and shuts the door, he's calling them names, you know. He's knocking Beaver around. and you know, Well, not necessarily, but you know, verbally he is. And, and so there's just, these are the Eddie Haskells of the Bible. They're charmers. Telling you what you want to hear. Guys, let me just say this. I, I fully get it. I fully understand. And, and, and I don't know if you fully understand how hard it is sometimes for me to say things that I know is going to make you mad. Well, there's a win-win, huh? <laughs> I'm going to say this because I know it's true and because I love your soul. But I know the second I say it, I know, especially social media, as soon as I put this article or as soon as I put this meme or as soon as I make this statement, I recognize that a lot of people here this morning, not here this morning, listening, that I know that I love. But I love you enough to say I'm not going to sugarcoat this. You can disagree with me. That's cool. That's fine. We can disagree. But what we can't do is ignore the evidence of whether or not it's true. If I'm wrong, that's, that's great. You have a responsibility to show me my error. And you don't bring your experience, right? You don't bring your tradition. Well, in our last church, we used to don't bring your experience and don't bring your tradition. I would say don't even bring your logic. Well, I, I, it just seems logically the right thing to do would we should do this, Pastor. What you can bring me, and I beg you to bring whenever you believe I'm in error, is the Word of God in the right spirit of God. The Bible calls us to correct those who walk contrary to the truth. And you better believe as a pastor who stands up here and opens this word and shares it to many and who knows untold numbers across the globe via our podcast, I want to be one who's not ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. And I, I depend on your prayers as well. 
that the Spirit of God will be my teacher and lead and direct as I go through His Word because He's the author. You get a lot of people out there with, well, people have different interpretations. That, you know what? That they may have different interpretation, but there's only one interpretation. There's only one. The author meant one thing. If all of you wrote a country song, and I know some of you could probably write a country song. If you wrote the country song, you pinned it down, you had one intent. I love you. You got beautiful eyes. Bing. That nose ring is beautiful in your face. Bing. And that's your country song. And somebody says, man, I love that song. That, that song you wrote, that, you wrote that for your wife, didn't you? Absolutely not, man. That's my pig. Well, you calling my wife a pig? We might have a fight on our hands, right? The interpretation is irrelevant. If the author was writing it about his pig, he was writing it about his pig. Let's get it straight. It wasn't about his wife. But yet we've got people standing in pulpits not dividing the Word of God right. And they're offering false interpretations and they're leading people astray with prosperity gospels and name it, claim it, and your words have power and speak things into existence. Speak a word over... Guys, that's not what the author meant. He had an intent. And we have a responsibility rightly dividing that word of truth. So I recognize that a lot of times when I stand up here, a lot of times on, on my social media account, I'm going to share articles and things that, that, that may offend you, that may rub you wrong. But guys, please know that my reason for doing that is I am a shepherd who loves the sheep and I recognize the responsibility that God has given to me. And I want us all to walk in truth. I want us all to rejoice in that day when we cross the finish line, that we can rejoice together collectively knowing that we loved each other enough to confront when we see each other straying. Again, I, I'm a firm believer that Christianity 101, Christianity 101 is if we want to be a mature Christian, if we want to grow, and again, we're going to look at that, that the Word of God tells us we are to grow in Christ. We're to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. If we're going to do that, we have to move beyond, is this right or wrong? Many of you live a life where, uh, uh, you know, is this right or wrong? Well, there's nothing wrong with this. I can do this. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible doesn't say that's a sin. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you stay in the shallow end of that pool, that's fine. Yeah, you can splash around in the kiddie pool. You're going to look mighty strange as a, you know, 65-year-old man splashing around in the pool with the little kids. That's a little creepy. Just saying. Spiritually speaking, it's a little creepy. If that's all you want to do is stay in the shallow end of the pool. No, God desires us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And so we move from what is right and wrong. A mature Christian should desire what is best. That doesn't mean we always choose what's best, right? I make dumb decisions every day, right? That's why I have to go back to Lowe's three times, you know? It's like we all make bad decisions, right? I mean, look, we, we don't... but. We're trying, striving by the grace of God to do what's better. See, light bulb moment. Or what's best. If we could have had one right there, that would have been great. You know, so anyway. But these grumblers, no, they don't want to lead people that way. They want to lead them astray. These are mockers. Everybody go to 2 Peter. Take your Bible. Let's go to 2 Peter.
As you recall, 2 Peter was written before Jude. And 2 Peter was basically saying, look, these guys are coming. These, these, these uh, heretics are going to creep in unnoticed. Jude is saying, yep, they're already here. And notice the parallel. There's a lot of language that Jude uses. So you know he was familiar with Peter's letter. Because notice what he says here in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 3 and following. 3, 3 and through 9. Knowing this first, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where's the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all these things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter said there's going to be mockers, there's going to be scoffers. Just like it was in Noah's day, Jesus said it would be just like it was in Noah's day. People giving their children to be married, you know, festivals, wedding feasts, eating, drinking, being married, just, you know, there's life's going on as normal. And then time's going to come. It's going to happen. Just as Noah stood, a man of righteousness, and preached to an ungodly world, the Bible says that the world had gotten so bad that their thoughts were evil continually. That there, they were violence was mentioned twice in the passage. Go back and look at that. Violence. We live in a violent day. We live in a corrupt day. We live in a, a, a day such as that. And, it, 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 and so, again, people say, hey, where's this God you've been talking about returning? Where's this rapture thought? Where's this idea that God's going to take you out of here? Hadn't seen it yet. Hadn't seen it yet. When's it coming? But just as the Word preserved that first time of destruction and Noah and his family were taken out and protected in the midst of, so there's coming a day, but this time it won't be judged by water. It'll be judged by fire. Now some have speculated, well, is it, could that be nuclear war? It could be, if that's how God chooses to do it. God can choose to destroy the world how he sees fit. He could speak it and boom, it could happen. One third burn up with fire. Well, that could be missiles. Wiping out North America. That'd probably be about one-third, wouldn't we? Our, our nation, about one-third. Wouldn't that probably... I mean, again, God's prerogative. I don't got those intricate details. I know this. God's going to keep His Word. And it's a judgment because of the ungodly men. So they're going to mock you, Christian. You know who these cursed are? They're lost. They're not just lost. Jude says they're very lost. They're so lost, they're not even scared to come into your churches and lead you astray. That's how lost they are. Double children of hell, to put it from another quote of Scripture. 
You know, they offer the gospel of cheap grace. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer summarized it. He was the one who coined this phrase, cheap grace. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross, without suffering. Grace without Jesus Christ. John MacArthur did a book, and I highly recommend if you get a chance to read it, you read it. The gospel we can't ignore. There's another one, The Gospel According to Jesus Christ. Those are excellent books. Read them because it exposes the lie of cheap grace that's being preached across the world today. You say, well, wait a minute. Uh, preacher, uh, uh, grace is a gift, right? This seems like i got to do something. No, 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 no. It's done. But don't deceive yourself into thinking that just because God has worked in the salvation that you don't have a responsibility of working it out. Right? Cheap grace. These are sensual persons. Verse 19, notice what it says here uh, back in Jude. He says that... These are verse, let's go back to uh, 17 for context. But you, beloved, remember the words which you were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 18, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the Spirit. If you notice up here on this chart, Galatians 5, 19 through 21 sums this up. So if you want to know a little bit more, go to Galatians 5, 19 through 21, mark it, read it. But this is speaking of fruits of the flesh. Galatians 5, uh, a little later, gets into the fruits of the Spirit. You'll be talking about some of this tonight in, in your care group. Speaking of care group, and I'm talking about working out. You guys do realize, I told you last week, missing care group is like skipping leg days at the gym. Don't be that guy, all right? <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't want to skip care group, man, because, you, you know, it's like, come on, man, you're putting in all that work. Anyway, thank you, Carver, I appreciate that. Right on cue. Spiritually, we've got to work it out, brother. We've got to work it out. But look, the, the fruits of the flesh, the fruits of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Let me ask you for a second. Let's all do a little heart inspection. Any of this part of your life? Any of this part of your fruit of your tree? If this is part of our life or part of our tree, I beg us to cling to the cross of Calvary. Turn to Christ in repentance and cry out, Lord, deliver me from this. Deliver me from the wickedness of my own heart, 
Lord, give me a renewed heart. Give me eyes for you. Give me a heart for you. Give me, give me a walk for you. It's worthy of a pleading soul to beg and cry out to the only one who can deliver them. The flesh. The flesh is a, is, is a built-in law of failure. It's making it impossible for the natural man to please or serve God. It's a compulsive inner force inherited from man's fall, which expresses itself in general and specific rebellion against God and His righteousness. The flesh can never be reformed or improved. Let me say that again. It's very important. The flesh can never be reformed or improved. The only hope for escape from the law of the flesh is its total execution and replacement by a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark Bubeck, the adversary, the adversary, Moody Press, page 28. Guys, the only thing that's going to cure the natural man is a new man. Jesus Christ is the only one who can deliver him from that old nature. And therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. The pursuit of those things should also be passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. It's new. It's a new way of life. It's a new way of living. These are sensual persons. They're divisive. They cause divisions. Again, we, we need to mark these people. The Bible says, mark those who cause contention. If you've got somebody, you know, your small group in the church, wherever, that you begin to notice that, that they're, they're very contentious, they always are trying to cause problems, kind of gossipy or, or, or kind of murmuring or backbiting or downing others, you better mark them. You better mark them. They cause division. God says it's good for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Look, we all got flaws, folks. You can focus on mine all day long because I'm up front and center. But trust me, you got your own share. But I love you in spite of you. All I ask is the same in return. <laughs> I mean, if a holy God can love this fella, I better be able to love you and vice versa. If a holy God can forgive you with all the thoughts you've had and the things you've done, I'm just saying. But He does love you. And He demonstrated that love for you that while you were still in your sin, while you were still in your sin, Christ died for you. But these that creep in unnoticed, these that are divisive, these that are the grumblers, these that are the cursed, Jude says they're devoid of the Spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Is that any wonder? They don't have the Holy Spirit. Now, they have a form of godliness. They can carry themselves in a, in a way. That's why when you meet some of these heretics on TV, they have a form of godliness. Well, they're using Scripture. They, they seem a little bit on path. 1 John 5, 12, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty uncomplicated, isn't it? God makes it real clear. He cuts through it. It's black and white. Don't let anybody tell you it's not black and white. Guys, it's black and white. Either you have the Spirit or you don't. Right? Are you married? Well, I think I am. Oh, yeah, I am. Excuse me, are you pregnant? Uh, is that a trick question? Oh, is that a trick question? That's a little better, right? Of course, we do live in a weird day. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So conclusion. 2 Peter 3, 10, 18. Real quick. I know I'm, I'm, I'm 38 seconds past due. So, 2 Peter, real quick. We'll wrap this up. Get you out of here. Still get out before 12, Lord willing, right? <laughs> I like that. 2 Peter 3. We're continuing the context of what we were reading a while ago. Listen to how this wraps up. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, without spot, and blameless and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given to him has written to you as also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures you therefore beloved since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen? Amen. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Church, I'm asking you that question. What kind of person, knowing this is coming, knowing the Lord's going to return, knowing He's going to keep His promise, how then shall you live? In revelry? In drunkenness? In, in, in going down the path of worldly pursuits that are going to end up shallow and empty? Or shall we pursue the godliness? Shall we pursue the things that bring honor and glory to God that, that the redeemed of the Lord should be saying, Right? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. This is the conclusion. This is what we need to be doing. We need to be looking for the hastening of the coming of the day of the Lord. It's coming. Are we looking for it? Are we ready? We need to be diligent to be found by Him in peace without spot. Exchange that garment the world wants to put on you for the one Christ has robed you in. without spot and blameless. Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You know why God has not wiped out the world yet, guys? Because He loves people and He wants them to repent and He wants them to be saved. And you're the instrument He wants to use. We need to get busy with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got a missions team right now in Jamaica going to be sharing the gospel. We've got a local missions trip that Community Baptist Church, I need all hands on deck and I don't mean slapping Nate. I'm saying we need everybody here, right? Yeah, it's a little deck joke. I know you're used to it, Jessica. But 
We need everybody here helping. That's what I'm saying. We need everybody helping. Pray. That's one way you can help. Pray. Application. Since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. Well, that's a sobering warning, isn't it? That's a sobering warning for me. I can, I can fall. I could fall today. You can fall today. There go I, except for the grace of God. Being led away with the air of the wicked. Grow. This is, where, this is the answer for all of you. Guys, this is the answer to Jude's. This is what Jude's telling us. Look, grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what God is calling us to do. Church, we need to wake up. We're the called. We're the contenders. We're to take on the cursed by earnestly contending for the faith that was once and for all delivered to you and me, the saints. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time this morning in your word. Thank you for the testimony that started things off of, of your grace and how you're at work. And Lord, I just pray you'll continue to stir our hearts to repentance. Repentance isn't just a one and done. It's not that we just turn over our life to Christ and that's the end of it. As if it's on automatic pilot. Lord, you call us to repentance daily. You ask us to die to self daily. You ask us to take up our cross and follow you daily. And that's not something we can do in our own strength. That's something that can only be done by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I realize that there are many listening today, there are many here in our presence today that do not know Jesus Christ in that personal way. They have never been born again. The Spirit of God is not within them. And so, Lord, I pray this morning in a mighty way that you would hear this prayer and you would hear this cry. If there be anyone in our midst, Lord, let today be their day of salvation. You have been long-suffering with them up to this point. But they need to realize that slackness is not with you like we consider slackness. You've been long-suffering because your desire is that they would come to this moment this moment to turn from their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And so I'm going to just make it plain and simple. If you're here today and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you do not have the Spirit of God within you, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to respond to what the Spirit of God is asking of you. He makes you a promise. He says that if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. He said, if you come to him, he won't turn you away. And so if you today, by faith and faith alone and Christ alone and the finished work of him at the, at the cross of Calvary alone, you want that free gift, he offers it to you now. By faith, turn from your sin and receive the gift of Jesus Christ. And if that's you, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God into salvation. So here's what I'm going to do. And I don't normally do this, but I feel led to do this today. If that's you, I want you to get up out of your seat 
and I want you to come have a seat on the front row. Just come on down. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. I want you to, God's talking to me. I need to give my life to Christ. I don't have the Spirit of God dwelling within me. I want Christ to be my Lord. I want Christ to be my Savior. Today, by faith, I'm surrendering my life to Christ because of His love cords pulling at me to turn from sin and turn to Him for eternal life. And so if that's you, go ahead and get up. Just come on down front row. Don't let anything stop you. What's worth exchanging your soul for an eternity loss? It's not worth it. The door of invitation is open now. Just come. We'll show you how, by the word of God, you can be saved. Father, as we close in prayer, I pray that whoever you're dealing with will recognize the invitation still open. And I pray that they will respond even where they're at. They don't have to walk an aisle. They don't have to sit with a preacher and see in the Word of God. You've made it clear. You've told them the Spirit of God is delivering that message. And so by faith, may they respond to this message right where they are. Lord, I pray that you will do the work because only if you do the work will it last. Salvation belongs to the Lord. But I plead with whoever you may be, whoever's out there, whatever your situation, circumstances, that you'll recognize, turn to Christ alone for your salvation before it's eternally too late. God will keep His Word. He will give you salvation and eternal life through Christ. But also recognize that he will keep his word, that one day he will deliver wrath and judgment upon the ungodly. We either in or we're out. We either have the Son of God within us or we do not. Father, I pray that you will draw them to a place of surrender, repentance, and faith and hope in Christ alone. And we will give you the praise, Lord, as we look to you to live different because we're aware of what's to come. In Jesus' name, amen.